0: How many people are happy Jesus is at the center of your life? How many people are happy this is the month of June? Can you believe it? We're already getting towards the mid of 2021. This is summer season. Some of us graduated, so it's graduation season. It is a season of transition for a lot of people. And hopefully it looks like we're getting to the other side of this pandemic, and we're grateful to God. And so, this being the summer, we're going to start a new series, and the new series is going to be about the most read book of the Bible. The most read book of the Bible is none other, you can imagine, if you grew up in a Haitian church, what passages do the Haitian mummies know by heart, like they'll dig it out, is the book of Psalms. And so we're going to have summer in the Psalms. Now, the book of Psalms is also called the Psalter. Now, it's a fancy word just to say the books of Psalms. Now, it's a little quick fast facts about the book of Psalms. As you can imagine, if you have a Bible, if you open it in the middle, most probably you fall in the book of Psalms. It's the longest book of the Bible. It's 150 chapters. It also has the shortest chapter, which is what? Psalm 117. What is the longest chapter? Psalm 119, right? Um, In there, you would see on the presentation, it says the books of Psalms, and you would think that that was a mistake, but it's not a mistake. If you have um, one of the major translations and you go in your books of Psalms, you will see an inscription over Psalm 1, which would say book 1. And actually, the book of Psalms is five books, there is five, so the 150 books are sep- uh, chapters, sorry, are separated into five books, um, and you know scholars are trying to figure out why did they, um, whoever put the book of Psalms together, what did they, why did they separate it in five books, and and they think it's to mirror the law. Now, how, what's another word for the law? The law is also called the Penta. Took, which means what? Five books. So they think that they crafted the Psalms to mirror the first five books of the Bible. Now, the majority of Psalms are written by King David, and then you have other authors, um, but you have a variety of authors, and it's the book that spans the widest period of time, right? So you have authors that are older, like Moses, and then you have David, and you have Solomon, and so it, it spans a wide period of history, and and then you have different types of, of psalms. You have psalms of praise. When we think of the book of Psalms, you think a lot about praise, but there's also other psalms in there. You have psalms of royalty. They talk about the king, and more importantly, it talks about God being enthroned as king, and what we find in the book of Psalms is you have the wide range of human emotions, You have psalms of praise and you have psalms of lament. Lament is, if I could use another word, is psalms of whining. When things are not going good, you get to whine before God. You get to complain to God. Um, And when we see the beginning of the book, it's a lot of lament. But as you get towards the end of the book, there's a lot more praise. And that kind of mirrors Christian life. It's almost as if whoever put the the, the book of Psalms together was thinking about the life of the believer. As a matter of fact, the scholars think that when they put the book of Psalms together, it was after the Babylonian invaded and destroyed the temple and took him a way into deportation. So before that invasion, the center of worship was the temple. But after the temple was destroyed, there is no center of worship anymore. So they put together a book where the, the people would go to where they could express their their worship. And it kind of mirrors what Jesus said. That it's not about worshiping in this place. It's not about worshiping in that place. It's about worshiping God in spirit and in truth. And what we find in the book of Psalms, the whole range of human emotion, you see the truth. God wants you to come to him with the truth. He wants if you're sad, he wants you to come to him with the sadness. If you're happy and joyful, he wants you to come to him with the joy. But as you see the hand of God at work, your sadness then becomes into joy. It's funny because, a little story, but um, okay, she's sleeping so I can say it. Oh, the other day, my daughter, she has a phone, but she's not happy with that phone. She wants the other phone, and she goes in a tantrum, like, I want that phone. Want... But you have a phone, but that doesn't, she wants the other phone. But she's only four years old. Spiritually, we're a lot of times the same way. We go through situations, and we have our spiritual tantrum to God. But as we grow spiritually, we realize that the small things that used to affect us are not that important, and we understand. And that's why when you look in the church and you see, you know who I respect a lot? I respect the Haitian mummy a lot. Because the Haitian mummy, they've been through so much, but then when you see them towards the end, all they do is praise the Lord. All they do is praise the Lord because they've seen the hand of God at work. And you see that in the book of Psalms, with the full length of experiences that you could experience of human life. But in the end, it's praise. It's praise to God. The first two chapters of the book, of Psalm 1 and Psalm 2, they serve as an introduction. Psalm 1, and most of us know it by heart, talks about blessed is the man who meditates on the law of God. But then Psalm 2 talks about blessed is the man who has a good relationship with the anointed king of God? So one is about the law, second is about the Messiah that the law would send. And the last verse of chapter two goes like this: it says, Kiss his son, or he will be angry, and your and your way will lead you to destruction, for his wrath flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. And so the 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 and Chapter 2, Peter tells us, is about Jesus Christ. In the book of Acts, they assign that to Jesus Christ. And so the book of Psalm is really about having your heart in the law of God and in the Messiah that God has sent. So our meditation today is going to be about Psalm chapter 1. So please follow with me as we read again Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 to 6. It goes like this. And you can stand for the reading of the word. And it goes, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way of the sinners, take, or take a seat in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night, The word of God is already blessed. And so we are faced now with a comparison between the wicked and the righteous. The righteous and the wicked. Back in the days, we had, um, when I was growing up, there was a new style of music. Um, Back then, rock and roll was, was the main type of music. But then there was a new type of music, and it was these guys that were giving poems on, with rhythm. And, and, and so they were coming, a lot of them were coming from a low-income situation, and they were coming and expressing themselves in, 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 that, in that form. And I remember one of my classmates telling me, Oh, Dave, rap is just a fad. It, it's going to go away. It's not going to last. Rock and roll is here to stay uh but that did not turn out that well for him but so but when, when rap was coming up there was different types of rap right there was gangster rap right you know like the straight out of Compton type of thing right and then you had um uh, but that you know it would make parents uneasy cuz you don't want your children listening to that stuff so there was a young man he was smart he decided to come and he came with more what um the gangsters would call Mickey Mouse rap, right? That was like more fun. And then he would come and rap things like, parents just don't understand. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? And, and so oh, maybe, maybe if you're, or, or um, what was I go, like out of Philly, I got in a fight and then I end up at my cousin's house or something like that, right? Um, but that was like more fun rap. But there was a type of rap that was conscious rap, right? So the guys, they would come and they would rap, but they would try to instill some thinking into people. Um, And I don't think that kind of rap lasted long because people are not interested in in wisdom. They're interested more in fun. They're not interested in in modifying their behavior. They're more interested in following their impulse. Now, in all the different types of psalms, there's a type of psalm called the uh, Psalms of Wisdom. So yes, the Psalms, they talk about praise. Yes, they talk about lament, but there's also a few that talk about wisdom, and that's going to be the subject of our series, and I'm going to share the stage with Pastor Perry, so I'm going to comment one time, and then he's going to come, and we're going to go over some of the Psalms of Wisdom. Now, the first Psalm of Wisdom is Psalm 1, and we see a contrast between the Righteous and the wicked, and I'm here to tell you first: there is no difference. There is no difference between the righteous and the wicked. They are fundamentally the same. What do I mean? Is fundamentally the blood that flows in your vein is the same blood that flows in your neighbor's vein. The 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 the. the What makes us human is the same. Uh, James says about Elijah, Elijah was a man of the same nature as us. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. So we're not better than anybody else. But the difference between the righteous and the wicked is in their decision. The difference between the righteous and the wicked is in the decision. It starts with... Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or take a seat in the company of mockers. And you see uh, some sort of progression where, where at first it says, blessed is the man who does not walk. So he's walking. And now there's a way that you walk. You could walk um, this way, or you could walk that way. And he says, blessed if you do not walk in step with the wicked. So now that's a decision. Amos 3 says, can two men walk together unless they agree? No, they can't. So once you make a decision to walk with the wicked, you are putting away the blessing of God. You're cutting off the blessing of God once you make a decision to walk. Now sometimes in life, you know you, you, you have to learn to walk walk away. there are some situations that rather than to walk with them, you walk the other direction. there's some bait that they put before you that you have to decide to walk away. but then that person doesn't just walk, then they stand they stand in The path of sinners. So now when you stand, you can imagine like if you go in some neighborhoods, right, where you know if you go that route, there's going to be the homies. They're going to stand in the corner. I know when I grew up, there was some corners where the the homies would stand. And as, as a Christian, if you're wise, you know you don't stand there because eventually stuff will happen. I remember we used to pick up a friend and go to church every first Sunday of the month. When we drop him home, almost all the time, the police is there because there's been some shooting, there's been some stuff, right? Um, and we even have people that we know that unfortunately passed away because they were at the, wrong ta- at the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people. They weren't involved themselves, but because they hung out with those people when Bad things happen, it also happened to them. And so you don't want to, some stuff, some places you don't want to stand. I remember one time after I moved to Florida, I went back home to visit and I'm walking the street and, and by, by then, you know, we're, we're, we're done with college, we're, we're, we're supposed to be employed. And I see the same guys from high school hanging at the corner. I mean, what you're doing we hanging at the corner? Go home. It's, like, it's like, like 11 at night, you're hanging at the corner. So I see the homeboys, you know what I do? Yeah, what's up, what's up? Keep it moving. Keep it. You don't need to stand there. You just keep it moving. But even worse, he doesn't only walk. He doesn't only stand. Then now he sits, right? So now you're comfortable in the presence of mockers. You're, 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 now you're, you're dwelling in them. And for those of you who are in college, every college has a spot where all the homies all hang out. They don't have time to study. They all hang out. And then you go and you play cards, right? Domino. It doesn't matter if you went to UF. It doesn't matter if you went to uh, Nova. It doesn't matter where you went. If there is a certain community, I won't name the community, they all gather and they all play cards. And they all play dominoes. The exam is coming, but they got time to play. Nobody got time to study. But then guess what? You sit, you become comfortable. And, and, And pretty much what it means, because obviously back then, All they had was society, was community. What it means is, blessed is the one that is not influenced by the wicked that is not influenced by the sinners that is not influenced by the mockers now we have different ways now that we can be influenced right so we don't have to sit with the mockers in physical presence sometimes we just sit with the mockers on youtube sometimes we walk with them in the way that we behave because we feel our minds with with that stuff and then what comes in is what goes out but he says you know what if you want to be blessed, which means to be happy, to be, to be fulfilled in God, you need to say no to that bad influence and then say yes to. But he finds his delight. So he decides to delight in the law of the Lord. He decides to delighting in God is a decision. Delighting in the word of God is a decision. And that's the decision that makes the difference between the wicked and the righteous. The wicked, they just go with the flow of the world. They're happy with the sin. They're happy with with the mockery. They're happy with that stuff. But the the righteous decides to find delight in the Lord and to meditate on it day and night. And it's funny because now you hear a lot about meditation, right? Everywhere you go, it's like... But the difference between Eastern meditation... And Christian meditation is Eastern meditation. They ask you to empty, right? They say, oh, I'll make it like empty and see the light or whatever. But Christian meditation is what? It's not to empty yourself, but it's to fill yourself with the word of God. That's why it says this meditate on it, on the word of God day and night. And what you put in your mind is what you become. What you put in your mind is what you become. When you go to college, and if you graduated college, like when when I was studying, I noticed that there was a lot of classes that were redundant, where they teach you the same thing that they taught you in the other class. Like, I mean, how many times can I study foreign exchange, right? But the more that stuff get into your mind, guess what? Once you finish your four years or your eight years, guess what? You become a doctor. You didn't become a doctor. How did they determine that you were a doctor? They determined that you were a doctor once they put a whole lot of stuff in your mind and you were able to put that stuff back. And then you became a doctor. So what you put in your mind is what you become. As Kirk Franklin, his wife used to say, is known to have said, I know when he's been listening to rap. I know when my husband has been listening into rap because he starts acting differently. He starts behaving differently because now what's in the rap now got in his mind and that's what you, you then become. Be careful what you put in your mind because that's what you're going to become. And sometimes you become it without knowing it, without realizing it. So the difference between the righteous and the wicked is in the decision. What you make of the word of God and what you make of, so the written word of God, which is the Bible, and then the incarnate word of God, which is Jesus Christ, is what makes you righteous or wicked. See, we're not righteous in our own. We're not, we are made righteous by Christ. That's why he died on the cross. He died on the cross and by his death, now we are made righteous. He became sin so that we can become righteous. And now so we see that the difference is in the decision. But that decision then bears a result. And your result of your life is in the resource. You see, when you see blessed, when you have a blessing, it doesn't speak of the process, but it speaks of the end. Whether it's a curse, whether it's a blessing, it speaks of the end end. When Adam and Eve were in the garden and they sinned, God said what? Said, if you do this, you will surely die. They ate the fruit. Their body was still alive. But guess what? The decay started that would lead to death. Their curse was about the end. But also the blessing is about the end. So you can go through different situations but your result, the end result, is about if you have the resource. Once you decide to delight in God, to delight in the Word of God, now you have access to an unlimited resource. This is what it says in verse 3 and verse 4. It says, That person is like a tree planted by the stream of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whether they, whatever they do prosper. Not so the wicked, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. So now you have, on one side you have a tree of life, on the other side you have shaft. On one side you have a tree that is planted by the water, and on the other side it, it, it's like shaft, it withers. So now what is special with the tree, now every tree that is a, a, a fruit tree, they're going to produce the fruit, but they're going to produce it in season. All fruits don't produce the fruit, all trees, sorry, don't produce the fruit at the same time. They produce the fruit in their season. So don't be too concerned if you find in your life and you're not producing the fruit that you want to produce. Don't get me wrong, you should be concerned about producing fruit. You should be concerned about producing fruit. But before you can produce fruit, you have to dig the roots. And you see the tree by the water, what makes it special is that the roots find their way to an unlimited amount of resource, which is a stream of water. And because they have an unlimited amount of resource by the stream of water, they are able to grow. And when they grow, then they can bear the fruit in the right season. Some of us are worried about fruit, but we haven't dug on the roots. We haven't dug on the roots that bring the growth. If you dig the roots, the fruit will come by itself. And what makes a tree will stand strong is how deep the roots are able to go. What makes that if a tree is going to be green and lush and produce good fruit is if it has a good water resource. When we go to Mission to Mexico, it's funny because you see Florida, we have pretty good landscape. You go to California, because they have drought, all the grass is is brown. Everything is brown. And then we take the van and we drive down to Mexico and everything is brown because that area is dry. There's not a lot of rain. But there are some, you get to those vineyards and they're all green. So you have brown, 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 and then you have a patch of green. And then you have brown, brown, brown again. But why is that? It's because whoever owns the vineyard created irrigation to make sure that the vineyard would always have a supply of water. Understand this, that if you delight in the Lord, you will have an unlimited supply of the Holy Spirit water. You will have, because God is unlimited. God is unlimited. If you dig into him, you will never like the resources that you need to produce the fruit that God wants you to produce. That will never happen. Because you have an unlimited. Now you might have to wait for the right season of life. He says it produces its fruit in season. Right? So you want to dig your... your, So what you need to focus on is to dig the roots. If you dig the roots, and that is true spiritually, that is true professionally, that is true relationally, if you put the right foundation, then you can build on that foundation. If your roots dig and, and tap into that unlimited source of power which is the presence, the Holy Spirit of God. Then the hurricane can come, you'll stand. The, the storm can hit, you'll be able to stand because your roots are dug deep and you won't like the resources. But it's not like that with the wicked. The wicked is like chaff. You know what chaff is? Chaff is when you go and you take the wheat and you, you, you break it That's what's left. That's what we throw away. Uh, It's it's like, for those of you who are healthy, it's kind of like, if you ever juiced, right? If you ever juiced, um, not blend, not do a smoothie, because a smoothie, you blend everything together. But there's this thing called juicing, where you put the fruit, and then only the juice come out, and then the rest is what you throw away. But that's how the world is. That's how the world is, isn't it? Where you can give the world all your heart. You can give the world all your, your youth, your, your energy, all of that. But the world, once it's done taking what it needs from you, what does it do? It will throw you away. It will throw you. How many celebrities you see, they've given everything to the world. And yes, the world has giving them money. But you see towards the end, you see their life unraveling. How many of you see? Oh yeah, that guy is a billionaire, but his life is unraveling. Oh yeah, she's a superstar, but you know she's a superstar. But oh, this marriage and that marriage and that marriage, and they can't. And you you look at them closely, and you find that hmm, they might have the popularity, they might have the fame, but they don't look like they have the happiness. They don't look like they have the joy. They have all the stuff that the world can offer, but they do not have what God can offer, which is peace, love, and joy. And that's what the world does. It will take you, and it will absorb you, and then it'll spit you out. And and too many times we we, we try to endeavor to, to succeed according to the world, and we build that ladder and we go on that ladder only to find out, oh snap, the ladder is on the wrong building. But at that point, you're in the uh, you're in the, the latter part of life. Don't be a chef. Don't be a chef. You know, if you look at the um, apparel, right, like the sports, you will notice when the team is up, their gear will sell, right? So uh, back a few years ago, you would see a lot of Golden State shirts because they were winning. You would see a lot of, even now you can see, see Miami Heat, number six, LeBron James, because he was winning, Depending on who wins the championship this year, their gear is going to go up. Why? Because people want to be associated with winners. What I want to tell you this morning, that you have a choice, and you can be associated with the winner. We already know who won the battle, Jesus Christ. Or you can associate yourself with the world, but eventually the world will lose. Eventually the world will lose. So your result is in your resource. A lot of times we try to do things with our own power. We try to, to, to meet the demand with our own, our own strength, with our own power, uh, especially in, in America, because America is a country about self-sufficient. You know, strap your boots, and then you do this, and then you do that. And, and, and that's not wrong. But eventually you get to a point where you can't do it by yourself anymore. You get to a point where you're not capable. At that point, you need to tap in the unlimited resource of God. And that's what the book of Psalms is. If you lo- read all throughout the books, whatever emotion you feel, you can find it in them Psalms. Whatever you're going through, if you feel depressed, Psalm 42. If you feel elated and you want to praise God, Psalm 150. If you feel afraid, I remember uh, when I was coming here one day in Florida, we were flying and it was winter and everything was not working right. So we took a flight. They turned it back. I'm on another flight and I'm having a big asthma attack. Like I can't breathe. <laughs> I can't breathe. It's cold and I can't breathe. And I'm on the plane. And I take, you know, there's a point. If you have asthma, you take the pump. It don't work. Like you take it, the, and it don't work. It doesn't work. And the 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 the, the, the pilot goes and says, um, "This is your captain speaking. Um, we're going back to Montreal. We're supposed to fly at thirty thousand feet. We're at ten thousand feet." We're, the plane became quiet. Everybody is like, oh, snap. Like, like there's a 20,000 feet missing, and there's not enough feet back then. So now everybody starts praying. Uh, that lady over there, I remember her, she's like panicking. She starts puking in the back. And I, I'm like, I'm, I became a Haitian woman. Like, I'm spitting out songs. Like, oh, that's why we're without fear when the world is like, all the songs I know, I'm spinning them out, right? Because there's that sense of fear. You know, it's like there's some situation in your life like, okay, you don't need like big theology degree. You don't need all that. What you need is to know a little bit of Psalms and, and to be able to spit it out to God because you're going through something. And I want to tell you this morning that whatever you're going through, you can find results in the resource. You can find comfort in God. You can find strength in God. You can find courage. But more importantly, you can find wisdom in the Word of God. And that's what makes the, 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 the success is because in the Word of God, you find how to live your life. You find how to behave in certain situations. And with that wisdom comes success. With that wisdom comes success. The world is... Is ruthless. It ruthless. It will take you. It will spit you out. You, you haven't noticed like how, especially now, you have that cancel culture. You have a person. There's a celebrity, and then there, and then we find something in the past, and now they're canceled. All their contracts are over. All their stuff are, because you know what? The world doesn't care. The world doesn't care. Or you see a celebrity, and they were. A lister. All, all their movies, you know, it was Blockbuster, and you go and you watch a movie. And, but later in life, they bought movies, they don't even make Netflix. Because the world is done. The world is done. And that's what the enemy does. If you give the enemy your life, it will take it, it will juice the best part of it, and then throw you away. Throw you away. But it's not like that with God. Here's what God says, if you follow with me, in Isaiah 40, verse 30 and 31. He says, even youth go tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So you might find yourself where, you know what? Yes, I did give myself to the world. Yes, I did. You know, I had that relationship and, and I thought he was the one, but he just took advantage of me. Or oh, I had that relationship, I thought she was the one, but she just took advantage of me. And you find yourself broken inside. But I want to tell you that we serve a God that He gives strength to the weary. He gives so you might be running and you feel tired, but if you tap in that unlimited resource, now you find that you so out of the blue, now you get wings, you get a second wing. and now you can fly like an eagle. And an eagle is the the bird. When you fly as an eagle, you fly alone. You fly alone. You know why? Because no other bird can go up there. The eagle flies above all the other birds. That's why you'll never see an eagle in a pack. An eagle flies by himself majestic. And God says, you know what? Maybe they abandoned you. Maybe they left you behind, but you don't have to worry because, with the power of the Holy Spirit, you can fly up like an eagle. You can find the strength, you can find the stamina that you thought you had lost. You're tired. You're tired. Like uh, this pandemic, God, I'm tired. Through the the, the, uh, college years, God, I'm tired. Work, God, I'm tired. But God says, don't worry. Come to me and I will give you strength. Come to me and I will renew your strength. So even if you're 70 years old, you'll find yourself stronger than a 20-year-old because now you're tapping into an unlimited source of power, which is the power of God, which is the presence of God, which is the knowledge of who he is. And so much that Paul says... Paul said, and if you follow me in 2 Corinthians 4, and you know Paul, he went through so much persecution. He went through, and I don't know if it's, he went through hard time. He went through hardship and back. Like he went, you see, Jesus got um, whipped and crucified. Paul got whipped five times. He got shipwrecked. He got stoned. At a point they left him to dead. Like they, they stoned him. They thought he was dead. He went through a whole lot, and here's what he says in, in 2 Corinthians. It says, For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give, to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. So I want you to think about this one second. I want you to think about this, right? You who know Jesus Christ, who you who gave your life to Christ, he says, for the God who said, let there be light. The God who said to the, to the, to the, to the sun, come to the moon and the stars. So he created everything. The God who said, "You know, let the oceans deploy, said in your life, in your heart, let there be light. When you received Christ, when you came to him, that was him saying to you in your heart, the God of the universe taking time to attend to you to your knees, and say, let there be light. I want her to see. I want him to see. I want him to to, to not walk in darkness anymore. And in verse 7, it says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God, not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, shrugged down but not destroyed. We always carry around in our bodies the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we, for we who are alive, we always be being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is is at work in you. And so he's saying, the God of the universe that says, let there be light, put his light in us. But that body, that's a jar of clay. A jar of clay is a jar you could put flowers, you could put, but guess what? It could break. It could break. But he says, you know what? Yes, we're going through persecution, but we're not crushed. Yes, we're going through hard times, but we're not in despair because of Christ. And so the life of Christ that shines through us, shines even better through our affliction. That's why he said, that's why... Paul says, I rejoice more in my weakness than in my strength because God's power is revealed in weakness. So maybe you find yourself in a position of weakness, but understand that when you're in a position of weakness, God is in a position of strength. When you're in a position of strength, God, okay, then that means you got it. But when you're in a position of weakness, that means God's got it. And when God's got it, his result is better than your result will ever be. So learn to trust in him. Learn to to trust him for the result. And understand that, imagine this, the God of the universe took time to say, you know what, I'm going to come and I'm going to dwell in that person. If you're listening to this, this is because the God of the universe said, you know what, I want that person to hear it. I want that person to experience that life. Even if it's in, that light, even if it's in a jars of clay. Even if it's in a broken vessel. Even if it's in a tough situation. Even if it's in a storm of life. Because God is in control. God is always in control. And so we understand that the only difference between us and other people, the only difference between you, so, so I see worship team, yes, they sing good, they sing great, but there's somebody under a bridge that sings better. There's somebody that's drunk that sings better. There's somebody that's about to take their own life because they're desperate that sings better. We saw celebrities after celebrity. We saw how they're ended. The only difference is in that decision. It's what you make with the word of God. And if you make the right decision, then your result you cannot imagine the results that you're going to have because the resource is infinite. Because if you tap in that source of the Spirit of God, it's infinite. And what Paul understood is that this life is only temporary. You know, when somebody gets to a certain age, we think they're at the end of life. But they're not at the end of life. They're at the beginning of existence. This part that we're here now is just the beginning of the existence. We need to understand that. We need to understand that how we're living. So that means if you're in your twenties, you're at the beginning of the beginning of the existence. If you're in your seventies, you're at the beginning of the existence, because God has made us eternal. God has made us not only for this life but for the next. Here's what He says in verse five and verse six. He says, "Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous, for the Lord watches over." The way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. The blessing is about the end. Yes, you can have, you look at the life of Paul, it was rough. It was rough. It was a tough life. It was no prosperity gospel when it came to Paul. You know, you can talk about prosperity gospel in America where you don't have uh, that much persecution and then where you can make a million dollars and all of that. But if you're in, in North Korea, there's no prosperity gospel over there. If you're in the middle of the Middle East where there's persecution, there's not pro- no prosperity gospel over there. There's only staying faithful to God. But they understand that the blessing is not about the process only. The blessing is about the end. The blessing or the curse is about the end. And in the end, the final outcome is out of our hands what we do now on this is what we can do you can only you only you don't have the future you only have now you only can decide now if you're going to decide for christ don't put that back later you decide now because that's all you got you only got now you can't change the past the past is gone stop looking at the past there's nothing you can do about the past the future you don't control the future you could walk out of here and you get hit by a bus you don't control that the only thing you control is now that's the only decision that you can make is now. And that's why you study the Word of God so that every now that you get, you try to make the right decisions. Because comes a time when all is said and done. And I pray that for you and for me, it's like at a hundred plus years old. But that time comes for everybody. where well, we're called. And here's what Revelation says. Revelation chapter 20 Verse 11 to 15. He says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, the earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. I mean, I wish I could tell you, you know, a nice... Uh, feel-good moment. But the reality is, is eventually we all have to go to our eternal abode. We all have to go. And, and some of us, when we get there, we're going to see a judge. And, and it says that presence is so majestic that heaven and earth, there are fleeing before that presence. Now imagine this, you look at the mountains, like if you ever went up top of the mountain, that's the one thing we don't have in Florida, is mountains, but you see like it's majestic. But that is nothing compared to the presence of God. It's nothing when God comes and reveals. And so it doesn't matter if you have a hundred billion dollars, it doesn't matter if you have a hundred dollars, eventually we all get in front of that throne. And you see how this says all the books are open. And guess what? Everything that we said, it's recorded. Everything that we did, it's recorded. Everything that happened in our life, good or bad, it's recorded. And then comes the time of judgment. Comes the time of judgment. And You see, sometimes I say, we have our holidays mixed up. We spend our time now judging people. That's not our job. We're not here to judge people. We're not better than anybody else. right? We're, we're here to show grace and love to people. That's what we have to do now. Right? So judgment is not now. But judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. It's not now. Jesus said the Son of Man did not come to judge the world but for the world to be saved. Right now is the time of salvation. Right now is the time where you can come to Christ and receive Him and be saved. But once your time comes, you go in front. No amount of money can protect you. No amount of of eating healthy can protect you. No amount of of wisdom can protect you. The final outcome is out of your hands. The final outcome is out of our hands once we pass to the other side. And he says, it, it was funny because we started saying we have to delight in the book. Now he says, if anyone is not found in the book they're thrown into the lake of fire. So I need to ask you is your name in the, in the book? Is your name in the book? Make sure your name is in that book. You know, you, you, you know, sometimes when you apply for something, you have to make sure you register on time. If you don't register on time, you're going to miss the boat. If you don't register on time, you can't get the classes that you want. Make sure you register for heaven. Make sure that you're ready for, for heaven. But if you are, if you gave your life to Christ, if you say, yes, Dave, I, I trusted Christ uh, for my life. Yes, I gave him. Then I have good news for you. I have great news for you because you do not come in judgment. Because that, what I just read, if you have Jesus Christ, that don't apply to you. Here's what Jesus says in, in John chapter 5 verse 24. He says, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged. But I crossed over from death to life. And that's the difference between the righteous and the wicked. The righteous, all that makes us righteous is that we believe in the only one that was able to fulfill the law, that was able to actually live and delight in the Word of God, which is Jesus Christ Himself. If you receive Him, then you're not judged. Then you pass from condemnation to life. Then when you come, you come to a father. And that's the difference. You know, it's like the same person is a judge and a father, right? So if I have to go in front of the judge, then I'm in trouble, right? But if that judge is my dad and I go home, then I'm not worried about condemnation because I'm going to my father. And what I'm going to is to the dinner. And so we have a choice. We can be righteous or we can be wicked. We can follow Christ or we can follow the world. Now, you may say, yes, Dave, I followed, I mean, I gave my life to Christ. So then my challenge to you is, are you living up to that calling? Are you living up to that belonging? You belong to the family of God. There is nothing more embarrassing for a judge than a son that commits a crime. There's nothing more embarrassing for a judge than a son that commits a crime. But thank God we have a God that is gracious. We have a God that is loving. We have a God that is forgiving. And all he wants is for for us to come home. All he wants is for us to come and he receives us with open arms. With open arms. And I hope you can take comfort in the fact that we're not judged. When God calls us home, we're going to a party we're going into the presence of god but if you're listening to this and you have not given your life to jesus christ yet you have not trusted the anointed messiah yet if you don't do that you're going to a judge and this is a kind of hearing you know when you go in front of the judge and you already know you're already guilty there's nothing you could do. There's nothing you could do. I'm going to use Pastor LaRose that preached, um, I believe last week or the time before, about Joshua. Joshua was a priest. So his job was to, you know, pray for the people and represent the people. But as a human, he was flawed himself. So the story goes in Zechariah that Joshua is standing before the Lord, and the angel of the Lord, which represents Christ, and Satan are there. And the angel and, the, and Satan is accusing Joshua, and the Satan Satan is the chief of liars. But when he's accusing you, he's saying the truth, right? Because he's pointing out what you did, and you actually did do that stuff. And Joshua is 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 has a garment of dirty clothes. And they're dirty and they're dirty. And guess what? That represents all of us. So you might have grown up in the church. Joshua was a priest, the high priest, like the top religious guy. But religion is not enough. Religion cannot save you. Coming to church cannot save you. Doing what your parents tell you only cannot save you. So he was there with dirty clothes and Satan was accusing him and telling God you need to reject that guy because look at his clothes they're not clean they're dirty. But then the angel of the Lord said came and the angel of the Lord interceded meaning he put himself between Joshua and God. It says no. And then they took the bad dirty clothes and gave him clean one. And that's what Christ did when Christ died on the cross. He put himself between the, us and the wrath of God. and said, no, wait, wait. I'm going to take the punishment. I'm going to take the wrath. I'm going to take the sin of the world. And then I'm going to give him clean clothes. I'm going to give him clean clothes. And if you receive Christ in your life, I want to tell you, you have clean clothes. Because when that Christ died for you, he died for your sin in the past. He died for your sins in the present. And he died for your sins in the future. So you have clean clothes. Not because of your own merit. Not because you were so good and you tried to follow. But because of what he did on the cross. And that's why if you have some 1, you also need to have some 2. If you delight in the word of God, the law, but you also need to delight in the Messiah, Jesus Christ. When, um, I'm going to close with this story. When I was... Um, Two years ago, back in Montreal, my brother, when he was getting married, he was, he was um, camp director. So he was camp director. So he spent like the summer at camp um, doing stuff. And over there, camp is like a week or two weeks of that sort of thing. Um, so one weekend, um, his fiance, her sister, her brother, and myself, we went to go see him. As we're on our way, driving a nice Bobota, the the car broke down. Boom! It broke down on us. So we called um, roadside assistant. And roadside assistant is going to tow the car back to my house. So we're getting towed. So now me and her brother, we're in the big tow truck. And it's a huge tow truck. It's not a little tow. It's like the stuff that can tow a bus, like a super big. I mean, that thing could tow a tank. And so we're on on the road, and he says, okay, where to? I said, turn here. And we turn into that road, and it's a pretty busy road. But at that time, right now it's 7 p.m., it's already dark. And there's a lot of trees and not a lot of lights. So we're driving, and I'm, I'm there, and I'm, somebody's on the road! Too late. Boom. We hit a guy. He ended up landing on the other side. The shoes are off. You see, he's on the floor and the dentures, everything. I'm in shock. I'm not moving. I'm, like, in shock. But all the cars, they stop. Everybody stop. And everybody runs to him and try to give him assistance and give him assistance. Somebody calls 911. 911 comes. Um, So we end up staying there, like, for four hours. The police came. Ambulance came. They took him away. And then then they... um, uh, police asking us questions because they want to determine what happened and so forth, and, and and that accident happened in front of a reception hall. And and after a few hours, people start coming out of the reception hall and say, "Oh, what happened here?" They see all the police and all of that. Say, so, "What happened?" I said, "Oh, somebody got hit." Now, oh, yeah. Oh, his name is so and so. Oh, that's my uncle. That's my and then they start realizing what happened, and so after it's like 11 p.m. they let us go home. My brother gets married and he lets me use his car. That's a nice brother. I can I get to drive his car and, you know, be fancy in the streets because, you know, driving a car back then was, was something special. And um, I don't know who does that, but that car, I left the keys. And I, but I did not lock the door. It's that automatic lock. Who does that? A car that automatically locks when the keys are still in the car. So I close the door and click, click. what? And I, can, and I didn't grow up in the hood, so I don't know how to pick the lock to open the door. So I call back roadside assistance. Roadside assistance comes, it's the same guy, the same tow driver. So I start talking to him. And so the accident happened on a Saturday And then he told me on Tuesday, the guy passed away in the hospital. And the guy was 76 years old. He was at his niece's wedding. And he had stepped out to go buy cigarettes. And on the way back, and I guess he probably looked, the light was green for him. But by the time he crossed, we turned and the light became green for us. But he was 76 years old. And I remember thinking to myself, and I wrote it down in a poem, it's still too short. When he was there, people were coming and tried to bring him to life because it was still too short. It doesn't matter if 76, 96, it always feels too short because we want to live. Most of us here are young. But I want to tell you, before you realize it, it's 76 years old. Before you realize it, it's 90 years, whatever time. Make the best of your life now. And the best of your life it's not with the wicked. It's with the righteous. God bless you.